0: Hello and happy holidays, everyone. Shantiana Keys here, WBCA Manager of Education, and welcome to this week's episode of the WBCA podcast, Growing Our Game, where we discuss a variety of topics about women's basketball. Today, we continue our Coaches on Coaches series with head coaches, Anne Marie Gilbert of Detroit Mercy and Molly Miller of Grand Canyon. Both coaches are entering their first season at the NCAA Division I level after successful stints at NCAA Division II programs. In this episode, Gilbert and Miller offer insights into their transitions from D2 to leading a D1 program. We're coaches. We're leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We build excellent people, not just excellent players. We improve lives, not just records. The WBCA is the premier professional association for the community of women's and girls' basketball coaches. Build your career in coaching, network with colleagues, and get up-to-date information about our sport. We are here for you every step of your coaching journey. Learn more about a WBCA membership and benefits at wbca.org.
1: Let me just first of all say kudos to you and congratulations on just continued success um, from Drury um, now to Grand Canyon. And um, what have been some of the challenges that um, you have faced, you built a, a great program, 91% win percentage there at Drury, and now moving on um, with a continued um, expectation of excellence. What have you experienced so far during this kind of COVID pandemic as you've tried to build your program there?
2: Well, I mean, I think we should, we could probably flip these questions back and forth to each other with how like similar, <laughs> we've paralleled our journeys, but. Probably the same for you. I mean, taking over a program kind of in um, the nature of going from division two and having a lot of success and then having those high expectations at this new level, it's kind of humbles you a little bit because Mm -hmm. what you're used to on the daily and what you've established in a program, probably like you did at Virginia Union, it's just more of a natural flow and you have to ease your way into that now. Um, and then in midst a pandemic, that throws a little monkey wrench into things. <laughs> so, you know, coming from the, the D2 level and having that success like yourself and then, you know, taking over a program at D1, I think the first thing was just implementing the culture that you want. And it wasn't really for me about talent and X's and O's. Um, you know, we had a couple of of opt outs. We had an ACL. Like we had a, some things in this first year on top of a pandemic that didn't really go our way, but I probably had to learn a little quicker than I normally would in a normal transition year to kind of let those things go. And those are not controllable for me and focus on the kids that I have right here, right now, getting their confidence up, building those relationships, starting from ground zero and trying to build. I'm kind of an instant gratification purpose person. Like I want it now, but I've again, had to humble myself and say, this is a process enjoy the process, embrace the process. And I think that for me has really allowed us to kind of do this thing together and be in it together and get to know my kids on a whole different level and start this journey for me at Grand Canyon, you know, in in a great way. And I would probably flip that question to you because you have done it beautifully, you know, having, um a national championship title our game being in that at Virginia Union and um it's funny because we were both the Lady Panthers that was the Lady Panthers I at Jury and you're the Lady Panthers at Virginia Union so that even parallels but how did you take all that success with you you know how do I do it coach
1: <laughs> you know what um it's funny because we've we it's it's been a, a challenge and um when you build something you're so proud of it we we got it operating on a national level at virginia union we were playing the um ashlands and i'm hoping to be able to play a jury and that level but um i'm so proud of the other um women coaches that are doing so great at d2 and at d1 but for me you know i inherited a program here at detroit that only won three games last year and in the last three years they're nine and eighty I wake up some days and I say my prayers and I I hit the road and um I can tell you it's a wonderful group but there just hasn't been a, a, a standard set for how things should be done no we don't we won't miss layups you know we have to you know protect the paint you just can't give up you know 30 40 points in the paint just trying to get to a level of of basketball that is that is respectable that are our campus, that our administrators, that our fans will will eventually want to see. Helping them with that standard, not just in basketball, but in life. You mentioned building relationships and helping them understand there is a balance. Um, this is a private school; it's a very good academic school, and for some of our students, more of their eggs are on that side and not enough are on the athletic side. You know, so there's so many challenges and things we're trying to figure out. We've had we've got a lot of injuries. Our starting point guard, our starting center, from a team that only won three games last year. You need those people. So we're we're really working hard to get um, not just back from injury, but helping them to deal with the mental challenges, their minds during the COVID pandemic. You know, not being able to go home for Thanksgiving, not being able to go home for Christmas. Um, which we're just sharing that message with them, or we'll have to quarantine for fourteen days. And sometimes I wonder, even as coaches. Um, or the levels that are higher than us. Are we doing the right thing? I know we wanna play this year and we're so excited. And I think playing is better for their minds, but you know, just to keep in mind, what are our student athletes really feeling as we try to salvage um, a, a basketball season here? But um, they're wonderful student athletes. I love coming to work every day. My challenge is a little bigger than yours, but what are, what are some of the things that your student athletes are saying regarding Um, What's going on with COVID and also the social issues that kind of hit from mid-March on? How have you guys, what have your conversations been like that? Those difficult conversations, what have they been like? I think
2: if there's a blessing in this whole kind of quiet period from COVID where we couldn't be on the basketball floor with them, it was having thoughtful conversations like that. You know, my team is the one of the most diverse teams on campus. So when we're talking with each other, we're f- really figuring out like problem solving. We identify that there is a problem, like how do we become part of the solution? And we wrote letters to our senators. Um, we're having thoughtful discussions and educating those that might not be aware We're also trying to get out in our community in front of the youth who haven't seen people that look like you or me or my assistant coach or some of the players and relate experiences. We're having to do that over Zoom now, but we're still getting out there. And I think for us, it's just bigger than us. And it's a little bit cliched that it's bigger than basketball, but what a platform we've been given to talk some of these things through. And I've been so impressed with Um, The WBCA even, I think you you sit on their diversity and inclusion committee and you've had some of those conversations and are you guys feeling that there's headway or does there need to be so much more done or like where are we in those steps and how do coaches like you and I continue to spark these conversations and not just make it be kind of a flash in the, the pan when something happens.
1: I think we have to continue to ask questions. I think we have to continue to write letters like you guys have done. We we had a set of uh, police officers that came in and talked to our student athletes, especially at a time when our concern was heightened over what was happening to um, different individuals across the country. And those police officers did a wonderful job talking to our student athletes. They actually started trying to recruit our student athletes, because they they were saying that to make a difference, you've got to be a part of the process. You can't just stand on the sidelines watching. You've got to get in the game. If I can use that cliche, but um, you know, you just have to continue to talk. Uh, the WBCA has done a wonderful job. You know, they've created a social justice task force, who's taken some of the initiatives that we've had. They brought different initiatives and they're trying to drive uh points forward that we're all thinking and maybe some are afraid to say but there has to be representation people representing coaches representing student-athletes representing um, you know the black community um, representing just our country you know we we hope to see a time of healing coming forward and I tell you at one point we had a little bit of division our conversations have been well but we couldn't all agree on kneeling standing or walking out on the national anthem. I don't know how um, that that whole issue um, evolved with your team but for us anything that we couldn't come to full agreement on we didn't do it. We, we, We agreed on the points we agreed on. We're still talking about some of the ones we haven't agreed on but we just didn't want it to divide us. Some of our players, parents, our police officers firefighters, um, they, they're they in the armed services, and um, I understood both sides, and I just wanted them to know we can agree to disagree on where we stand, but we are one nation under God, you know, and and we just want to be um, as thoughtful and mindful and and be bringing each other together. You know, we've got a, a, a very diverse team, and some of our non, our um, are, are, are students that are, are not of color, They've been involved in protests. Their voices are loud, and um, I, I just love how it's it's bringing us together at the end.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Things you can do together and united, it's probably a little bit stronger and more powerful, and it probably brings your team closer together. And that's what we've talked about. Just kind of being there for one another, empathy has been a huge word amongst our team. Like you you don't have to agree. Um, there's healthy disagreements. And that's what is so beautiful about our society that we live in. You can have those thoughtful conversations and agree to disagree. But at the end of the day, if you have empathy for one another, that's a pretty powerful thing to get you through hard times and come out better as a person, as an individual and as a team on the other side. So that's awesome that you're having those and our paths are similar, but you you have about 20 years of coaching experience on me. So what would you tell your younger self as you move through this journey and you've seen so many of these changes, not only from how coaches are, are coaching and the dynamic of social media and injustice issues, but what would you tell your younger self as you move along in your career?
1: You know, I, I think when I was younger, I really wished I just was more patient. Like you said, I was, I'm a perfectionist, instant gratification. And I think a lot of young coaches are as well. Um, It's really great for you that you've had a chance to experience a lot of success at a young age that you can build on and really just keep raising the bar for yourself. But, you know, one thing that I don't think enough coaches do is evaluate, you know, you got to self-evaluate. Did you win the day? You know, not just was practice good, but did you win the day with your student athletes? Did you have a balance in your life for your family? Sometimes we can get so driven. You know, I was very driven at a young age, and I don't know that I ever really took the blinders off enough to use my peripheral vision to see what was going on around me. You know, I'm I was I'm driven for success, and I mean. All around, I want my student athletes to have good grades. I want them to have balance in their lives. But I also want them to understand nothing, you you don't get anything for free. Mm -hmm. You know, this, you have to work hard. You have to pay attention to detail. You know, you have to do your work, research other coaches, you know, continue to grow your philosophy, add as many things that you can take best practices from other individuals that are just going to make you better and better and better. Don't ever settle. You know, if you have a a 25 win season, can you have a 30 win season? You know, you know, and and also are you hitting the milestones with your student athletes? Don't forget that they have goals. You know, some of them want to be all conference or they want to, you know, achieve certain levels, have a chance to play at the next level. Don't get so stuck in your vision that you don't see the whole. And some of these things that I'm saying, you know, I wish I knew better as a younger coach, but I I have, you know, especially at Virginia union, I was coaching what I felt to be my best basketball. And I think we'll get there here. I just inherited a program where the culture, I mean, you think about nine wins in 80 games. I mean, that's, that's not the culture that you hope for, but there's nowhere to go, but up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm inspired to kind of reach new heights, but I'm so excited. I'm, I'm inspired. I'm inspired to be talking to you today.
2: Uh, (laughs) But what have
1: you, what have you learned? Do you think, what are some of the the best practices or, or lessons that you've learned that have helped you to be so successful over time, not just one season, but for a variety of seasons? Well, we,
2: when I first got the job, you know, I'm, I was kind of like you, like a, a perfectionist and I want to win. And so we hadn't lost a lot. I mean, one game in two years, that feeling was a little foreign to me. So it was funny. I got a text the other day and Hey, you, you, you weren't going to go undefeated this season. So at least it's all, you know, we're, we're five and one right now, At least that. And I'm like, I thought we were going to go, you know, did my mind. I'm like, we could have gone undefeated. Like, I thought we had a schedule with you. So how I'm handling maybe that feeling of losing, you know, and how I handle it with my team and how I cope to turn it into opportunities. Like, I have to learn that because, you know, it's like I said, kind of a foreign territory for me. So I had my first experience on, on the road the other day. Um, we lost a nail biter by one. And to me, I really had to step back and say, okay, what does my team need right now? Because no, I was sad. I was mad. I was disappointed. I was embarrassed. I was all those things because that's not inherently like what I want to do and what I like, I'm just a competitor and all coaches are, and you want to win. So it was almost this moment of gratification where I kind of let it go. And I said, okay, We've got to move forward. You know that that game's behind us. How do we move forward? And how do I make this team better after a loss? And that's going to be a working document for me. That's always going to be changing because my (laughs) my standards and expectations are up there. That's it's undefeated. Like that's just who I am. But realistically, when something doesn't go the way that I've planned, and I have to figure out how to pivot with my team in mind. So like your team, you know, we're, we're changing culture just because, you know, it's, it's different. It's different. There's a, someone new in charge. So the girls are kind of proceeding with caution. Like how do we figure each other out? So I, I really have to take a page out of, you know, the, the book of the greats and just figure out how to connect with, with my team and, and take kind of maybe those, um, knocks and stride and and be better for it and and help them with that process. So I think that's something that I'm learning, but something that I'm a little bit excited to do because it's challenging me outside of anything I've really experienced. And I think I'm going to grow as a coach. I think we're going to grow as a team for that. So it was almost this sense of happiness that I didn't really feel. I mean, happiness and a loss. I can't even believe I'm putting those two together, but to see the 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 progress we made in that 48 hours to turn around and then come back with a road victory, but to see how the coaches and the staff and the teammates handled each other in that and then came through on the other side in a really positive manner. That was almost the biggest growth that I'd experienced as a coach. And here I was, you know, had the bigger number one target on our back for probably around the past five years. So um, it's been interesting. So, you know, what, When you talk about those winning traditions and parallels, what were some things when you went from the division two to division one level that were like non-negotiables, you wanted to keep those standards. And then what were some things when you made the jump that inevitably had to change and be altered?
1: Well, you know, the interesting thing, I had been at division one. So so I wasn't coming for the first time. However, I took a program, a different program that was maybe seven and 20, And we won in our first year, our division. So, you know, just really trying to identify what is the culture? What are you dealing with? Even at Virginia Union, it seems like I've I've always inherited programs that have been traditionally down. Virginia Union was 8 and 20. And, you know, for me, I was able to, you know, we don't have the same APR issues. So I was able to keep only five players and bring in 10 of my own. So the team reflected me more in the first year at um, my first division one opportunity and at my division two opportunity. So it was like me, I brought in my players that played at my pace that understood defense. By the way, I want, you know, my assistant coaches, they know who you are. And they're <laughs> like, I mean, she really sells defense coach. So we're going to be having some defensive conversations, <laughs> well but, um, you know, just trying to feel out what the culture is like, you know, um, what the environment in the, Athletics department and athletic programs programs were like overall, you know, just trying to assess the whole situation first and then teaching the kids how to win ball games. Like for you, I'm I'm expecting to find you in the desert. You have one loss. I mean, knock it off, Molly Miller. (laughs) No, but but um some of the things that I tried to do when I could establish the culture that I wanted was really try to lock in on the details, build my defensive culture. Um, first, I love offense, I love um sets and the execution of sets, but just trying to give them the, the basics um of what I expected, which is to be one of the top defense and rebounding teams in the conference and in the country. You know, it, you know, I, I was told to start with the end in mind. So when I'm starting, and like I gotta tell my team, don't just come to practice to practice against the other young ladies that are in the gym, you're practicing. For what it will be like when you're in the horizon, you know, whatever your conference is, uh, championship or in the national championship or whatever it is, champions keep the switch on. They don't have to change switches if they're in practice and then on game day and then the conference tournament and then the NCAA tournament play. You got to play every game like it's your last game with everything in you. You leave that on the floor. And then, you know, just trying to prepare them for situations. I was thinking for you you had a nail biter, you know, are you going to go back and re- rehearse and rehearse so that they have that the next time they experience that? I know you will. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to be really tuned into what you're doing because <laughs> what are your thoughts as you plant new seeds in them? What are you hoping that they took away from that nail biter loss? Because that loss might, might just be preparing you for your overall championship or the tournament championship. You know, you never know.
2: Yeah. And we and we talked about that. And, you know, execution kind of board to court is is one thing that there's got to be an intense focus on. And that's something we talked about in terms of, you know, we we made some halftime adjustments and we didn't really see them until another media timeout after the third and that's something that we're gonna continually work on. Is just they're they're figuring out the system. So I've got to give them a little benefit of the doubt. They don't know exactly where to go and how to rotate what, and we're learning that. And yeah, we gotta we gotta keep the the conversation going, especially with this defensive talk. I I love it because um, I'm like you. That about like 90% of our practices are defense, and that's what I wanted to focus on from the get go. But you know, you hope like this this nail biter was. Um, into game management shot selection. I mean, it's so cliched also, but it comes down to one possession that could have been one rebound, one free throw, one loose ball. It really does. And then people say that, but then you experience it. You're like, Oh yeah, that could have been, if I would have, you know, gotten after it and, and not made that silly foul 90 feet from the basket and not sent to the free throw line or gotten that rebound, not let them get the offensive board. That was a one possession ball game. Yeah. So I think that hit home for us.
1: For um, sure. You have
2: to play hard all the time. There's, there's no resting. You can't take breaks because yeah. that could be the deterrent between a, a win and a loss. So that for me was a, a good takeaway. And I mean, I'm excited to to watch your teams. I know we can keep this conversation going. These people that are listening probably want this short podcast. to, yeah, right, right. <laughs> You know, they got to go to lunch. Their lunch break's almost yeah. over. So we'll probably just from the both of us, thank you for listening. But Coach Gilbert, I'm so excited to watch you and your teams. We parallel each other so much. So I'm glad this was able to connect us. Um, you've got a new fan. Uh, I'm excited to kind of, model some things you do I think you're a great role model for our career path that we've chosen and,
1: and women's basketball to grow our game. so thank you for doing this with me <laughs> yeah you know thank you so much I'll be following you as well you know we we have a, a lot of building to do but um but we'll get there and I just want to say to other coaches that it may have taken over programs or if you're in the middle of a pandemic just you know stay the course hang in there you know, support your student athletes, continue to fight, um, and know that that it's going to get better. And for those of you that are at the top, don't take it for granted. You know, be be humble, work hard, stay positive, and great things are going to continue to happen. So until next time, Molly Miller, I look forward (laughs) to seeing you soon, and good luck the rest of the way. You as well.
0: Stay safe, everyone. Did you know the WBCA 30 Under 30 is a special recognition program established to honor 30 of the up-and-coming women's basketball coaches age 30 and under at all levels of the game? To learn more about past classes or to nominate, visit WBCA.org recognize. Thank you for listening to the WBCA podcast, Growing Our Game. Share your thoughts on today's discussion by using the hashtag WBCAPodcast. For more information on the WBCA, visit wbca.org and follow us at WBCA 1981. Thank you, and we'll see you here for our next episode of Growing Our Game.